Good morning and welcome to Alcoholics Anonymous AA meeting on air. My name is Steve and I'm an alcoholic. I will start our meeting with the serenity prayer. God, God grant, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Uh, the preamble of Alcoholics Anonymous. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any set, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy and neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Uh, welcome to our meeting this morning. Uh, we have members of our fellowship in, and we'll be sharing our experience, strength and hope about our journeys of recovery from alcoholism. Uh, to start the sharing off this morning, Mike, do you want to share? Yeah, hi, I'm Mike, alcoholic. Hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. Uh, my sobriety date is uh, January the 21st. 2013, so I'm about um, six and a half years sober. I came into AA when I was 53, so quite late on in my drinking career. And um, I just reflecting earlier on today about my experience at my first meeting, I didn't know anything about AA. Um, as is often the case, I'd got to the point where um, my, I'd been given an ultimatum by my wife that either you go to this AA meeting at 11 o'clock t- tomorrow or you leave the house um, and don't come back. So being at that point um, an active alcoholic, I took what looked like the easier route, which was to go to the meeting at 11 o'clock as at least that would give me another few hours um, in my mind to... to um, still have a home to to live in and I went to the meeting not knowing anything about AA and it seems funny now but um, when I walked in I thought I was looking for someone who would be taking down the names and checking that you really should be there um, didn't quite get the anonymous bit at that point but sat down in a circle with the meeting and as I listened to the other alcoholics talking, it dawned on me that um, with what they were saying that um, I actually had a disease and it wasn't going to get any better. In fact, it was going to progress and get worse. And that was a huge insight that had escaped me despite the fact that I had reached out for help earlier. I was in treatment and I had a therapist um, under um, the, the health system who was helping me. But with all that, I hadn't quite clicked that I had a disease. And um, when it came around to me, I, I, I shared, and um, it was a very emotional share. And um, at the end of that meeting, uh, I got up and was surrounded by um, the people from the meeting giving me really good advice as a newcomer, saying things like, well, Mike, eat. If you're hungry, you're more likely to want to pick up a drink. Oh, okay, that's sensible. 
um, someone suggested that I go to 90 meetings in 90 days and I thought uh, I didn't think anything about that but I actually did that and that was a really strong start to my recovery and someone else said to me oh Mike you know you were really brave to share like that on your first meeting and I said oh, I thought you had to share and they they laughed and they said Mike there are no rules in Alcoholics Anonymous um, only suggestions and that really struck me as well because that kind of then made sense of there not being a list <laughs> that was taken down and names taken down in the meeting and I, I'm very lucky and grateful that um, I haven't had a drink and haven't felt like having a drink since that first meeting. The obsession was removed from me. Not everyone has that experience, but in my case, the insight that I had a disease and if I didn't do something about it, it was going to get worse really made sense to me. And so from that moment on, I thought, well, if I'm going to cure this disease, I shouldn't drink. And within that 90-day period, um, when I was doing those a meeting a day, more or less, um, that, that obsession and the desire and the craving for alcohol was removed um, for me. And for that, I'm eternally grateful, but I'm also eternally vigilant because um, it is a disease and, you know, unlike a physical disease where you can, you know, perhaps remove the tumour or treat with drugs um, our disease can continue to be latent in our minds and our personalities and therefore um, can come back at us and you know so far again I'm very grateful that I haven't had the desire to pick up but I know from the experience of other alcoholics who've, who I've come across that even after 10 15 even 20 years of sobriety something can happen and before they know it, they've picked up a drink. Um, so um, although I've been sober and haven't felt the need for drink, um, the only way I can stay sober is being part of AA and being of service to other alcoholics and working the 12-step program, which is part of Alcoholics Anonymous, so that um, my life is helped in so many ways by being part of this fellowship um, and if you think if you're listening to this and you think that maybe um, you know you, you could do with not drinking um, then based on my experience going to an AA meeting might be the best thing you've ever done in your life it certainly, um, it certainly saved my life, my marriage pretty much everything really so very grateful for that and um, thank you for listening to my sharing uh, thanks Mike uh, you're listening to Alcoholics Anonymous on 104.6 Planet FM uh, we have members of our fellowship in this morning and we're sharing our experience strength and hope about our journey of recovery from alcoholism uh, to continue on with the sharing Bree do you want to share hi my name's Bree and I'm an alcoholic hi Bree hi. Um, yeah, for me, I would um, say my journey um, in um, accepting myself as an alcoholic um, has been one that I, I have really struggled with. Um, I would say I'm one of the defiant ones. Um, for me, 
I grew up in a family um, of alcoholics and so I always was aware what it was um, and the concept of it Um, but I didn't want to be one Um, and it's only on you know hindsight now that I understand I think that's why I I struggled with the acceptance part um, for so long Um, pretty much as soon as I started drinking which again I can only see now with um, the clarity of a sober mind um, I drank spirits straight and I was a heavy drinker and um, I remember going to this party when I was 14 and um, everyone else was out having a good time and there I was just going back Bacardi straight um, passed out in a bush came to I think it was about 4 o'clock in the morning got up going oh my god where am I after a you know a blackout um and went back to the party and everyone was gone and it was kind of like a ghost town um and a few people were sleeping inside I didn't know whose house it was but I just had to make my way inside and my friends you know in those days we didn't have mobile phones couldn't find me um and that's literally how my drinking progressed um till till I was in my 30s um it it was a constant stream in my 20s of battling, sustaining a job, um, keeping friends and the geographical cure, which is for me um, moving country when things went wrong, moving cities when things went wrong, to start afresh going, this time it'll be different. This time I'll get a new group of friends, I'll get a new job and it will all be different. Um, and unfortunately that that usually lasts for a couple of months and then it's... It, it was the same thing in every city. So I lived overseas for eight years. Um, and saving grace was my dad flying to Melbourne on my 30th and just having a chat to me about drinking and where it can take you. And as much as I hated it at the time, um, for me that was just what I needed to hear to really start to see that I had serious drinking problems. Um, I just moved into a flat by myself. I was... You know, completely in that isolation part now, and that was the scary part. That because I couldn't sustain friendships or relationships with men because of my drinking and the trouble it caused. Um, but not even when I was drinking, it was the way my mind operated when I was sober was just complete insanity. And I think that's what scares me now is how capable I was of this really ill, nasty behaviour. You know, it's lying, stealing, um, all of that ugly stuff that I just and the worst thing was I didn't even have a conscience I didn't even care about it you know Um, so who who would want to be around me Um, but at the same time that was completely destroying my soul Um, you know people constantly rejecting you and you're not understanding why because who cares you were just drinking or you don't even remember I mean that's the worst bit is I can only judge a night out by were my false eyelashes still on had I had some form of um, ability to still take my contacts out, if my contacts were in, then I must have been absolutely wasted. And how much did I spend last night, which was looking at my bank statement, which was horrible. And the sad thing was, most of the time, it wasn't much. It was literally, at that point, the progressiveness of the disease was, um, I would only have a couple of drinks and I'd be in complete blackout. Um, so there was a few instances in Melbourne, you know, I was a missing person at one point and all these things that I just couldn't handle it. And as fate had it, I was made redundant. So I moved back home and um, 
fell asleep on the side of the road when I moved back to New Zealand um, after a night out drinking. My dad was called and the next day took me into my first AA meeting. Um, I wasn't ready to listen and I think that's that's the hard part about some journeys in AA that um, you have to be willing to want it, you know, and it's also the struggle of seeing those around you who you love trying to help them. They have to get to that point by themselves and for me that was, um, you know, five years ago. Um, so as much as I felt in that first meeting the amazement of being home and surrounded by people that just said these things that I was like, oh my God, it's not just me. They're all, we're all psychos. <laughs> um, was really heartwarming. But again, I, it was that defiant spirit against my dad, especially because we've always had that relationship that, nope, I will do this on my terms. Um, and I was, I was sober for eight months because of the program. Um, and then I made a silly decision as I did to move out on my own and the first night I moved out I, I drank of course since then it's been an absolute disaster um, I have lost three jobs um, I have not been able to maintain friendships and I haven't had a relationship I have been in financial strife um, and I don't like myself I look in the mirror and I have hated myself and I have not wanted to look in the mirror um, and unfortunately for me I just kept digging from my rock bottom um and I just obviously that was that was where I needed to be to kind of have that the reality check um so I have surrendered for the first time to this program and accepting that I'm an alcoholic and I can now comfortably say that um you know it, it, it's just the amount of self-testing and all that I did that I had to go through to get where I am today and you know I think we're all in the same war we've just got a different battle um in each of us and the one thing I always did was I which they they do say in AA is keep coming back I just kept going to meetings over those five years um it wasn't an every week thing it was months on months off but I I wanted to be sober so bad because I just didn't want to be person I was because for me it was that or killing myself um so at the moment I'm coming up to 60 days um yeah thank you um and I'm very very proud of it and I'm also enjoying it um my biggest fear was not having fun and now I go oh actually I was never having fun when is it fun to black out at parties and abuse people um you know, I'm staying away from bars at the moment, but I have a genuine joy in me that I get from not, not drinking. And that was always my biggest fear, is even the other day I just started a new job and this girl said, oh, no, I don't drink either. And I went, oh, my God, you're bloody boring. And then I thought, well, hold on, that's that's that old thinking that people who didn't drink I didn't surround myself with because I just thought they were boring and I wanted to surround myself with people who drank. But um, I'm now getting to know myself and knowing what I enjoy doing um, recovery, recovering who you are as a person and who you were meant to be um, and it's kind of cool to start to become the person that I wanted to be um, and looking at people and wanting their attributes and who they were, that person's actually always been there, um, I was just craving it for myself so you go on this, you know, it's this mass call, massive um emotional journey to 
start to get to be who you want to be again and really have a have a go at life again and have a life you know I just felt for so long I was sitting there in a outside the fish tank watching everyone and I, I I really didn't understand how to be a person in this world how to have those relationships and it's all just the cool thing is you just it's all just starting to slowly fold into place you know all 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 these things that I didn't think I, I was capable, you know. I've got friends in the fellowship and through that I'm learning how to have really strong, meaningful friendships and I like people. I just, you know, I remember somebody asking me in a work meeting about two years ago, oh, if you could change one thing in the world, what would it be? And I said, get rid of people. Like, I just want to live on a farm with animals and they're like, oh, it's really dark. And I went, is it? This doesn't, does nobody else feel this way? Um so for me, I really, I'm starting to like people. And now I get why it's important to have relationships and have people in your life. And, you know, I just thought I was accustomed to the crazy cat lady because I've got two cats and I live alone and I was quite comfortable with that. But actually it's bloody lonely and it's not, it's not, I'm not happy. Um, and I don't have to live that way. And I, I don't have my armour or my defence up in justifying that. I can be open and be willing to be vulnerable with people. And, you know, I think, the the thing for me is um, which is part of the, the program and steps is just um, looking at my own behaviour and things as well and, and instead of this blame game and everyone else which is just thinking the world is against me and everyone's evil and I know what they're thinking is I who, the, who am I to know what people think um, and I have never let anyone into my life, I have always blocked them thinking I know exactly what they're thinking um, so I can meet somebody now and be open and be present. And the weird thing is I now remember people's names when I meet them and I never used to. And it's because I was in my head. I was standing there going, she's looking at my hair that way I know what she's thinking. I know that he's looking at my top because he thinks, you know, the colour doesn't suit me. I should have worn another top. I don't even know what they're saying. And now I just meet somebody and I'm present. I'm like, hi, I'm Bree. And they're like, hi, and I remember their name. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing now is I'm not living in my crazy little head. I'm outside of it. I'm present. Um, and, you know, to have a program that gives me complete perspective on life um, and a new way of living is just, it's, it is mind-blowing. It is a miracle. It is everything they say. And I used to, um, when I started in AA, they say some things that I just used to get really irritated by and I was never a... Um, in church or anything like that and happy people used to annoy me and if I saw somebody walking down the road smiling um, I would actually get angry with them like I would want to go up to them and go what are you smiling at Um, so for me it's just um, you know all these things I've been given that are just complete joys in life to really appreciate the world around you and live in a world where you can be present enjoy everything Um, so very grateful for the AA program. Um, I encourage you, um, you know, as a reflection of my journey, just keep coming back until you hear the right thing and it clicks because it does work. Thanks. Thanks, Brie. Uh, you're listening to Alcoholics Anonymous on 104.6 Planet FM. We have members of our fellowship on this morning sharing their experience, strength and hope of the journeys of recovery from alcoholism. Uh, the last person to share this morning is Rose. Do you want to share? Thanks, Keith. Um, hello, my name is Rose, alcoholic. Hi, Rose. Hi, Rose. Hi, Rose. Well, you certainly sound as if you're on your way. That's really exciting. Um, so 
my journey was um, we're all different. I mean, this is a wonderful thing about going along to meetings too is that the wealth of information about um, the sexual disease is that it doesn't just hit for some people. Um, I hate to say preschool, you'd like to think it was a bit older than that, but um, an awful lot around 14 years of age. Um, and and there's people like me that wasn't really um, showing it sort of sinister face at all in my late 20s. However, you know, if I'm completely and utterly honest, there were um, moments you can look back on when you actually really kind of um, had a greater understanding where um, I was having to be careful. And something I heard the other day was that if you are, like, showing signs of um, hiding, you know, hiding how much you drink or any sort of hiding, you know, that's a really good indication that you have a problem. Um, and I think that, um, yeah, so I, I had a, a you know, a, a, a good... Um, my growing up was, um, was great. Uh, good schooling, um, wonderful family but alcoholism was well and truly entrenched within the family on both sides um so dad was mum wasn't one uncle was the other one wasn't you know um but surrounded by love nevertheless but I did know that um I certainly wasn't ever going to become um an alcoholic I really wasn't really very familiar with the the name either and I heard it somewhere and I, I, I challenged my father once and he said no I'm not um, as I progressively got worse, more in my 40s, you know, because I had children in my 30s, um, I remember my brother saying to me, don't you remember what it was like with Dad? And that was really cutting because my children, I said, you know, I, I'm not like that. I'm, I'm not the same as Dad. Um, when we were young, I could tell by the way his car was being driven up the road, what sort of mood he was in and how much he'd had to drink. And if he went to his bedroom, and this wasn't every day, but it was uh, at least four out of uh, five during the week, um, there was a sense of relief because otherwise he was quite aggressive. But I was never ever going to be like that. Um, so um, had the children, uh, got very very involved in everything that they did. Um, perfection as a mother, um, coached and was involved with all these sports and member of the PTA. But I did find that increasingly that um, every sort of social um, event, you know, was my excuse of getting a bit trolleyed, certainly starting to pre-drink. And these days they call it, um, what do they call it when they drink before? Pre-loading. I was doing that. And I really frown upon pre-loading now because I don't drink. But I do see the damage. But I was certainly doing that. Um, On the radio recently they were saying how a son found um, wine in his mother's McDonald's cup, you know, and the crew at the radio station thought it was hilarious, you know. Um, it's, it's, it's a fairly good, good indication that, that that woman has a problem. Um, and I live in a fairly affluent area, and I remember going to the doctor when I was sort of well and saying, look, if there's anyone that you think, please don't give my name, but, you know, I'm, I'm happy to meet with them, um, you know, talking about addiction and what have you. And he said to me, Rose, um, <laughs> he could fill the waiting room, the entire surgery and um, a queue down the road. It's just that it's um, no one wants to be um, told that they have a problem with actually drinking, consuming alcohol. And our culture very much in New Zealand, I think Australia, I mean, we're, we're really, really big drinkers and we need to, you know, be able to sort of handle our liquor. Um, uh, interesting 
um, the brie was saying after a couple of drinks, again, that's different. I found my consumption was growing, so I think I could handle half a bottle of wine. And then gradually over the years, I went to one bottle, and then I was nearing two, and then going just over two. So that wasn't very pleasant, plus it was very expensive. The marriage fell to pieces. Um, I remember going and seeing a forensic, you know, accountant to make sure that, you know, there was no... You become quite paranoid, really. Uh, it's kind of one of the... <laughs> and I think he may have identified I had a problem with drink because he said to me, you realise that where you are, you know, sitting today with a smile on your face, it's going to get a lot worse in the next two or three years, and it most certainly did. Um, I felt very comfortable sitting in my bedroom drinking and hiding bottles and jackets and... Um, the washroom under the house and that's when it really started to heighten um, and uh, it is very much a progressive disease and they talk about the not yets um, someone said the other day how far do you have to dig or the you know someone said to them when are you going to stop digging because I kept thinking no I can't be an alcoholic alcoholic because I haven't hit rock bottom I have a job I have a family I have this I have that I have not hit rock bottom so my rock bottom came about with um, <laughs> to a certain extent my sister-in-law saying to me that my youngest had said mum would have been a great grand, a, a great grandmother when we have children so she was talking in the past tense and at that stage I had met many of my not yets and um, hanging on for my job and um, really, really hanging on to my family. So I was very lucky that I could actually sort treatment. I wasn't as brave as Mike that you heard earlier um, who went straight into the AA meeting. My, my first day meeting a couple of years before um, involved me sitting there looking at what I thought was a bunch of twats um, you know, I related only to A to what I'd seen on TV and movies and it was just a joke. And um, I remember driving home and buying a bottle of wine and did that for sort of a week, just went to meetings and my son was saying to me, Mum, I thought part of going to AA was you were meant to stop drinking. <laughs> so um, I didn't relate to any story because I simply didn't listen. Um, so I went into treatment for a month. But the day I went into treatment, my biggest concern was, will I be able to sleep? because I used it as a um, crux, really, to also get to sleep. But um, I slept, and I slept, and I slept um, every single night after that. And uh, the treatment centre that I went to, I had no idea, actually, that they followed the 12-step program, and then I never looked back since. So that was September 12, 2015. And... Um, so I no longer have to go to the garbage bin in the morning and, and look for um, remnants of pizza boxes that my children would um, get themselves pizzas after I'd sort of comatosed and gone off to sleep with half-cooked dinners. I no longer have to look behind curtains. Um, I no longer have to look at my handwriting because I used to write down who I'd spoken to the night before in order to remember or sort of partially remember what I'd spoken about. All sorts of really um, strange things that they talk about, insanity. I didn't like that word. But what else can they be? So um, uh, I don't have hangovers anymore. I, I speak, generally speak, with clarity and um, I can face every single emotion and that's very, very cool without actually having to drink. So thank you for listening to me. Uh, thanks, Rose.
you've been listening to Alcoholics Anonymous on 104.6 Planet FM. Uh, We've had members of our fellowship in this morning and we've been sharing our experience, strength and hope about our journeys of recovery from alcoholism. Now, if you've identified with our speakers and you'd like to do something about your drinking, there's a couple of things you can do. You can log on to aa.org.nz and in the drop-down box under meetings lists is a list of all meetings in the greater Auckland area where we have about 140 uh, a week. Uh, It also will give you a list of meetings right throughout the whole country. Or you can phone 0800 AA Works, and this will put you in contact with an AA member in your local area. Uh, so we'll be back here again uh, next Sunday at 10.45 on 104.6 Planet FM with Alcoholics Anonymous AA meeting on air. And we'll close our meeting with the serenity prayer. God, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. difference.